Amen. Amen. Well, so great to see every one of you here with us this morning on this Memorial Day weekend. How about the weather that we're having, too? This is just supernatural weather. Beautiful. Man, that breeze. It's life-changing. Um, I've got a, a simple message I want to share with you this morning. Uh, I dare say it may be the first time I've said it, but I want to keep it short for you today. And uh, it, is, it is that we need the Holy Spirit. It's that we need the Holy Spirit. Last week, we began a brand new sermon series entitled Tailor Made. Not Tailor Made like the golf brand. Tailor Made like suits, shirts, and ties tailored, fitted uh, for the individual. We're talking about Tailor Made. And last week, we talked about the importance of being covered in Christ, the righteousness of Christ, being covered in Jesus. Today, we're talking about the importance of being covered from a, on high, clothed uh, with the Holy Spirit. For about 10 years before I moved over here to the United States of America, I worked as a tailor. I worked in a suit shop for about 10 years. And I remember a lot of different situations and circumstances that I would encounter where people would come in and they would leave after receiving a bad deal. Not of our fault, but their own because these are the two major situations I noticed that people would get a bad deal when they would come in to buy a suit. The first one was is, is when they didn't, I'm going to put it like this, when they didn't ask the boss, when they didn't ask the boss, or when they didn't get counsel on their decision. In other words, what would happen is I would see, I would see husbands that would come in with their wives, and they would come in to purchase a suit, and they would get counsel. In other words, they would ask their spouse, honey, do you think I should wear this shirt with this tie? Do you think I should wear this uh, trousers with this trousers? And I was like, those wimps. Can't they just make a decision for themselves? Why are they asking their... Now, I was a single man at the time, so <laughs> it has changed a little bit since then because I learned a valuable lesson in, in the suit shop, the happy wife, happy life, because I would notice the guys that would come in on their own and make a decision for themselves, and they would pick out the suit shirt and tie... And literally every time, about a week later, they would come in with their head hanging low and their suit behind them and their wife coming in with them and say, I need to refund the suit. I got to make a bad decision. I never asked counsel. I never asked wise advice. And so they would have to, they'd have to change it. Now, it's like Proverbs even says, Proverbs says that he who hurries his footsteps make an error. Or those without counsel, uh, uh, plans fail, but with many advisors bring success. Without counsel, plans fail, but when many advisors can bring forth success. Now, we understand, church, that we face an enemy. We, our battle is not with flesh and blood, but against principalities of darkness. And I would say to you that there is an evil spirit out there that wants to disguise itself to deceive you. But we have the Holy Spirit who's here to bring discernment and to give us direction. That's why graduates is so important as, as much potential. And as, as you're moving into this new season of life, we got to remember we need the Holy Spirit. Now, let's look for context today at an unusual passage to bring forth this truth from Joshua chapter 9, verse 1 and 7. Joshua chapter 9 verse 1 and 7. And reading these few verses, it says, as soon as all the kings who were beyond the Jordan, the hill country, and in the lowland, along the coast of the great sea towards Lebanon, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Perizzites, and the Hivites, and the Jebusites heard of this. They gathered together as one to fight against Joshua and Israel. They gathered together a coalition to fight against Joshua and Israel. But when the inhabitants of Gibeon 
they heard what Joshua had done to Jericho and to Ai, that they on their part acted with cunning measures and they went out and made ready provisions and took worn out sacks for their donkeys and wineskins, worn out and torn and mended with worn out patched sandals on their feet and worn out clothes. And all their provisions were dry and crumbly. And they went to Joshua in the camp of Gilgal and said to him and to the men of Israel, we have come from a distant country, so now make a covenant with us. In other words, make a, make a deal with us. Now Israel have now entered into the promised land. The long-standing promise that God gave to Israel through Moses when they were in bondage in Egypt well over uh, uh, 40 years ago when they were in this place. And God gave them this promise that he would bring them into a promised land, a land flowing with milk and honey. Now God was true to his promise. He brought them in. And as he's, he's bringing them into the promised land, he's giving them this uh, this. Um, uh, 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 commandment in Exodus 34 11 which was to observe what I command you to stay behold I will drive out before you the Amorites the Canaanites the Hittites the Perizzites the Hivites and the Jebusites in other words everyone who occupies that land I've given you this land I'm driving everybody else this is a land to be separated and uh, 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 consecrated for for Israel this is a a, um, a land that is your promise you are to go out and take hold of it and we see right at the beginning of Joshua, God says, every place that the sole of your foot threads, I'm giving you this land. And so they're coming into the season where they've faced Jericho, the walls, and the walls have come crashing down. They faced some challenges at I, but God brought them through. And they are, they're, they're seeing God deliver them on every side. And they're coming up, and they've, in a sense, they've got the hill country. They've got the most prime part of the land and they're looking down and from a military perspective it looks like that they have the advantage they can see their enemies that would be coming uh, before them Israel Israel it seems like they have they have it, it it all together but but the Gibeonites the Gibeonites they come with a different strategy they come with a different strategy because the Gibeonites unlike the rest of the nations they look at Israel and they go we can never defeat Israel we can never defeat the God of Israel. It's, it's incredible, church, because the enemy of God's people knows more about what God can do than even God's people themselves know what God can do. And sometimes we got to realize that we have got the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords on our sides. We've got the great I Am on our sides. That the enemy understands this, that he's got no hope against the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. So instead of coming out and fighting against Israel, they come up with a plan, a strategy, a scenario where they take worn out clothes and they make it look like they've come from a far country to deceive Israel, to bring deception to Israel. Israel is ready for a war, but they miss the wolf in the camp. They are ready for a war, but they miss the wolf in the camp. They miss the wolf in their midst. The Gibeonites come as a wolf in sheep's clothing, if you would, because Jesus would even talk about this in Matthew chapter 7, verse 15 and 16. He said, beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Isn't it amazing that Jesus gave us this warning? Beware, watch out. 
Be on the lookout. Know that there are those that will come into your ranks that will look like they are weak. They will look like they are innocent. They will look like they're a part of the fold, but they come in to take truth and they come to twist that truth all around. They come to deceive you. They come to make it look like they're for you, but they're actually against you. Because there is people in this world, church, they will be good uh, to you, but that doesn't mean that they're good for you. We gotta recognize that there is times and there are seasons where people will come into our lives and they'll approach us with a smile but behind the scenes there's deception that they're wanting to achieve and this is exactly what the Gibeonites do they come and they ask Israel for a deal that God had said this land is mine this land is to be separated and made out this is this is this is my land this is for us this was a deal that was designed to deceive it was a deal that was designed to deceive a bad decision now watch what happens here because the Gibeonites come in in disguise and watch the response in Joshua chapter 9, verse 13 to 15. When they come to them, they say, these wineskins were new when we filled them lives. And behold, they have burst, and these garments and sandals of ours are worn out from a very long journey, lives. So the men took some of their provisions, but they did not ask counsel of the Lord. Think about that for a moment. In other words, what they're saying is they judged them by their outward appearance. They looked at what they seen on the outwards, but they didn't ask the counsel of the Lord. They didn't ask God's opinion on the matter. They, they thought that this was something that they could handle by themselves. And verse 15 says, And Joshua made peace with them and made a covenant with them to let them live, and the leaders of the congregation swore to them. Now, church, I just want to give you five warnings real quickly this morning. Because I think as a church, as Christians, sometimes we make, we make bad deals. We make bad deals. I want to give you an example of five bad deals that sometimes we can engage in as the church. The first bad deal that we can make is we can make a deal with sin. We can make a deal with sin. This deal, the attitude is, I got this. I can handle this sin. I can handle this. I can watch this and get away with it. I can listen to this and not be influenced by it. I can go there and handle myself in that kind of situation. Let me just tell you, church, this morning, as I said last week, Charles Spurgeon put it like this. He said, he said God will never allow uh, Christians to sin successful. He will never allow his children to sin successfully. We can't sin and think that there's no consequences to it. Listen, we're all vulnerable to the temptations of the flesh. We can't make a deal with sin and think like, we can just handle this. We can just live like this. We can just get out. That is a bad deal that sometimes we engage with. Another bad deal that sometimes we make, and I need to explain explain this one. Sometimes we make a bad deal with science. In other words, we say, unless it is explainable, then I'm not going to believe it. Let me tell you, if you're in church this morning and you've got a Bible in your hand, you've got to believe that you worship a supernatural God. You gotta believe that there is a God in heaven who loved you so much that he became flesh. He sent his only begotten son into this world who lived a perfectly righteous life, who went to a cross, hung on that cross, died, was put in a tomb, but did not stay in that tomb, but rose again and lives forevermore. Let me tell you, science can't explain that. 
Let me tell you, when Jesus came to Peter and he said, Peter, come out of that boat and come walk on water. Science can't explain how Peter got out of that boat and he began to walk on water. Science can't explain how Jesus took some loaves of fish and some, uh, or some loaves of bread and some fish and prayed over and blessed and broke it and multiplied to feed over 5,000 people. That is unexplainable. You cannot explain how Jonah went into the bale of the welly of a fish and came out on the other side and was brought. You cannot explain Noah's Ark through the lens of science because we have to remember, church today, there is hope this morning in Jesus Christ. If you're going through a battle this morning, if you're going through a storm this morning, if you're going through something which you cannot explain, I just want to remind you today that we have the Holy Spirit. We still have God on our side today. It's not over until God says it's over. Next bad deal we make as church sometimes is we make a deal with fear. We make a deal with fear. In other words, we say our attitude is, I don't got this. There's no way through. There's no way through that we're going to go into this promised land. The giants are too big in this land. We can't make it through. This is, this is a deal that we make oftentimes that stunts us from being able to enter into everything that God's got for us in our life. But the Bible says that perfect love casts out all fear. Listen this morning, if you, are, if you are held back in any way by fear, I just want to remind you that that's not the plan of God for your life. That he whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Fourth bad deal we make is we make a bad deal with the world. We make a bad, as Christians, we make a bad deal with the world. Here's the attitude. I won't bother you if you don't bother me. I won't bother you if you don't bother me. I won't influence you if you don't influence me. That's a bad deal, church. We're called to be light in a dark world. We're called to be salt of the earth. We're called to be a people who go out into the world. That is the great commandment. It's not a good suggestion. It is a commandment that the church is not supposed to just sit on a pew on a Sunday morning, but it's supposed to be engaged with the love of Christ in a broken world. It is a bad deal because, listen, you can have that deal. You can say, I'll show up the Bible study. And I'll show up and I'll read my version Bible app every day. But I will just do that, Lord. I'll just do that, but, but I'll, I'm going to leave the world alone. As long as the world leaves me alone. Let me tell you, they, the world will never agree to that side of the bargain. When Pastor Jesse is talking about investing in the next generation, let me tell you, the world is investing billions of dollars every year investing in the next generation. And let me tell you, they, want, they don't want them just to hear an order opinion. They want them to walk in that order opinion. They want them to have a different idea of what God's word says, what morals is, how to live, uh, what love is, what righteousness is, what goodness is. Let me tell you, church, we need to be a people that we stand upon the rock and we know that our God is still... Overall, he is still worthy. He's still worthy to be praised. Oh, I just thank God. I just thank God. Let me just get on my soapbox just for a minute, for just a moment. Let me tell you, we see all the cultural wars that are happening in the world. We see it all over social media. We see all the influences that people are wanting to make on businesses that are going in an opposite direction. And I understand all of that stuff, but the Bible says that judgment begins in the house of God. And I want you to say today, hey, listen, whatever, I'm so glad that I live in a nation that we still have a body of people in this room that will stand and say, God, Lord, would you be glorified? God, would you be edified? God, would you move? But let me tell you, as a pastor of this church, I am reminded it begins right here in our own house. It begins right here in our own home. We've got to know 
And we can trust Jesus in everything. The fifth and final bad deal that we make is we make a bad deal with God. In other words, our deal that sometimes we can make with God is, I'll do this for you, God, if you'll do this for me. I'll do this for you if you'll do this for me. But don't ask me to do that. <laughs> don't ask me to do that. God, I'll show up every once in a while. God, I'll, I'll, I'll play the game every once in a while. But don't ask me to go and share the love of Christ with my neighbor. God, don't ask me to go and stand as a testimony in this world. That's a bad deal. Because all of these deals are deals of unbelief. They're all deals that are centered upon our own negotiation. Let me tell you, I just want to get real blunt with you, church, this morning. There's no negotiation when it comes to our relationship with Jesus. It's just surrender. It's just surrender. If you're wondering, how can I see the breakthrough in my life? How can I move forward in my walk with God? Can I just say to you today, surrender to Jesus. Surrender to Jesus. Here's what is taking place right here is they have, they have, they have decided to look by outward appearance rather than getting God's counsel, getting God's opinion on the situation. Church, what happened to the believers that said, we will believe the report of the Lord? We will believe the report of the Lord. What have you made a deal with in your life? What have you said to God, God, you can go this far and no further? What have you made a deal with that you're just going to live with some of the, the challenges that you're facing inside in your life? When did we stop going before God and saying, God, we'll be, we, we will believe your report. Yes, the rain may come. Yes, the storms may come. Yes, the challenges may come. But God, I'm going to believe you for supernatural healing in my life. God, I'm still going to believe you for my wayward son or daughter. I'm still going to believe you for revival in our nation. God, I'm still going to believe you from freedom from these addictions that I'm facing. Yes, God, I'm still going to believe, God, that you can break through and heal me of this anxiety and depression. God, I'm not satisfied just living where I am. When I read your scriptures, I know that there's breakthrough. I know that there's deliverance. I know that there's more than what I'm seeing right now. I know that the Holy Spirit can still move. I know that you're not dead, but you're alive. God, would you come through? God, would you, would you speak? This is, this is the amazing deal, the best deal of all time. And what Christ has purchased for us, because Israel, they came into a bad deal, a bad contract with the Gibeonites, one that couldn't be broken. I don't know if you've ever signed the dotted line on a bad contract. And you had to pay the price, monthly, <laughs> And you've had to pay it over and over again. Israel got into a contract and they couldn't, they couldn't pay it. Listen, when we, when we made a deal with sin, when we decided to listen to the enemy and rebel against God, we entered into a deal that we owed more than we could ever pay. But thanks be to God that God didn't leave us as we were. But he came and he paid the price in full for every one of us so that we could receive the promise. It's amazing. Even Israel couldn't just trust God for the promised land that they spent 40 years walking in the wilderness for. Even they compromised on that. But you know, one person who never compromised was Jesus. He never compromised. He finished the work. He went to the cross. He fulfilled it. Now it's not up to us to conquer the promise. The promise is already ours in Christ Jesus today. I remember as the worship team come out and we close the service out of a scenario where I was selling suits to a, 
uh, a, a bridal party or the groom, a groom and groomsman came in and there was about eight or nine of them came in and they were all buying suits for the wedding. And when they weren't looking, uh, the father of the groom came in and he paid the price for all the suits that were there. And it was a big, a, a, a very expensive deal and he paid for the price for all the suits without his son uh, and the groomsman knowing about it. Later on, the groom came to pay the price on the suits. And he came in, and I had to tell him, the price is paid. The suits are yours. And he said, no, no, that's impossible. That's impossible. No, who paid for it? Who paid for this deal? When he found out it was his father, he was like, no, no, I want to be able to contribute to it. I want to be able to put some money down. I want to be able to take some of that. Res- I want to be able to pay for some of the deal. I was like, man, you can make a contribution if you want to. But listen. <laughs> The deal is done. The suits are paid for. I don't care what you do with the suits, but the suits belong to you. Let me tell you, church, when Jesus paid the price in full, we can't renegotiate the deal. We can't renegotiate the deal. We look so foolish when we come in and we're like, God, yeah, thank you for dying on the cross. But let me just add a little bit to the work that you've already done. When we think that we've got the raw end of the deal because of circumstances or things that we're facing in our life, let me tell you, church, the good news of the gospel, it is finished. And he's given you the Holy Spirit to be clothed in today. The counselor, the Holy Spirit. You don't have to go through this life on your own. You don't have to battle through it on your own. Let me tell you, he's given you himself. He's given you his word, and he's given you the Holy Spirit. Graduates, he has given you for every season the power of the Holy Spirit. See, it doesn't matter the quality of the suit. What matters is the person and the character of the person behind that suit. And church, I want to remind you today, it doesn't matter what you look like. It doesn't matter what background you come from. It doesn't matter what education you've got. What matters is that you are filled from on high with the power of the Holy Spirit, who's able to, who began this good work, he's going to be able to complete it as well. Oh, come on, let's stand to our feet across this, this place today. He is worthy of praise. He's worthy to be celebrated. He's worthy. Don't go another day like the Gibeonites and thinking, I've got this. I've got this. This is small. This is, this, is, this is something I can handle. Listen, church, there's none of it that you can handle. You need the Holy Spirit in everything. So here's a challenge to you today. Whatever you're facing, whatever, whatever is personal to you, whatever personally you're walking through, get with God about it. Ask his opinion on the matter. Give it to God. Don't hold on to it anymore. Say, God, this is yours. This is your life. God, help me. I give it to you. And go with him wherever he leads. Follow him. Follow him on this journey. He's paid it all. He's given us the Holy Spirit. He is the one. There is no substitute for God's wisdom. There is no substitute for the Holy Spirit. There is no leadership tract. There is no conference that you can go to. There is nothing that compares to the power of the Holy Spirit that has been given to each one of us today. Hey, across this place today, with every eye closed and every head bowed, on this Memorial Day weekend, I wanna give you an opportunity to surrender to Jesus. Maybe you've never given your life to Christ. Maybe you're here today and you don't know if you're born again. In other words, it doesn't matter how many good works you do. It doesn't matter if you grew up in a Christian home. My youth pastor used to say it like this. 
Just because you're born in McDonald's, it doesn't make you a, a Big Mac. Just because you're born in, a, in an airport doesn't make you an Airbus A380. It doesn't work like that. What matters is you surrendered your life to the finished work of Jesus Christ. If you're here today and you don't know if you're born again, you don't know if your name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life, you don't know if that you were to draw your last breath today that you would find yourself in eternity with Jesus for all of eternity. Because we know for every one of us today, there's a point from man wants to die, but then comes the judgment. It's important that we understand when we have Christ as our Lord and Savior. He wants to give us everything that we need for life in God. He wants to give us everything in the Holy Spirit. If you're here today and you say, yeah, I want to give my life to Christ. I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to surrender to Jesus this morning. If that's you, when I count to three, would you just lift up your hand nice and high? Nobody else is looking around, every eye closed. I just want to be able to acknowledge if you're here today and you're saying, yes, I want to give my life to Jesus this morning. I want to give my life to Christ today. On the count of three, if you want to give your life to Christ, just lift up that hand. One, two, three. If that's you, just lift up your hand nice and high. Lift them up this morning. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Keep those hands up nice and high. Eight. Anybody else? Nine. Ten. Eleven. Twelve. Thirteen. Everybody put your hands down for a moment. Everybody put your hands down. Anybody else this morning? If, if you just lift up your hand, praise the Lord. Anybody else here? Just say, man, yeah, that's me. I want to give my life to Christ. I'm kind of... Worried about that this morning, I'm not sure. Amen, I see that one other hand, 14 hands. Everybody pray this prayer with me this morning. If you're here this morning, you've lifted your hand. You just pray this prayer. We believe that God's gonna do a miracle. God's gonna do the supernatural this morning. Something that which can't be done any other place. He's gonna give you new life, make you born again. Let's pray this prayer together. Dear Lord Jesus, I acknowledge I'm a sinner. I've rebelled against you. Forgive me. I give you my life. I love you. Help me, Jesus. I love you. In Jesus' mighty name. And everyone says, amen. Come on, let's give God praise this morning across his house. He's worthy. He's so faithful. He's so good. Oh, we need.